Hey, this is Sarah and Jess, and we're here to talk about why our brains are such a mess. We're just two bipolar babes shouting out what everybody is so hush-hush about. So let's get into it with today's episode. Hey, Jessica. Hey, Sarah. How are you? How's it going? Um, I'm good. I'm just just your average artist with bipolar disorder trying to make it work um how are you what's new in your life um you know uh just I dropped a class for school so we can talk about that yay (laughs) (laughs) so we can finally talk about that I know I I was telling you I dropped a class like a thousand times and then we would get talking about other things and then I never actually like fully explained the class that I dropped and why um but yeah I dropped a class um I had a really emotional and interesting experience last night with some friends over zoom um and other than that I've been feeling kind of out of body and I think that's because I haven't been consistent with my medication Mm, yep yeah yeah I definitely have been feeling marshmallowy um lately and I think we did some recording and you may have heard that in the recording that will never ever be released but (laughs) I yeah I've been that my marshmallow brain has been real foggy um of late or maybe always I don't know I can't I'm never sure but that's yeah uh how are you feeling on a scale from one to ten where one is totally depressed ten is manic and five is stable I don't know what I am, to to be honest, because I'm like, not hypomanic, but I'm getting things done. And then I'm not depressed, but I'm also not getting things done. And my brain is just kind of all over the place. Wait, wait, you just said you are getting things done and you're not getting things done. Yeah, okay, yeah. So like, (laughs) like, okay, so you know, when you like, okay, so for example, this I had to do, I had to record myself talking for five minutes and send it into my uh, organizations and change class. And I got it done, Mm -hmm. but did I put a lot of effort into it? No. And that's where like, I didn't really get it done, but I got it done and I'm getting things done, but not really putting in my hundred percent today. So Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's maybe like stable with a side of apathetic I don't know (laughs) (laughs) how about you what's your number today uh yeah I mean I guess maybe a four I I um I felt I felt really tired for a lot of today even though I slept a lot um I kind of I just it doesn't make sense I mean it does when you look at what medications I'm on Yes. But I feel like right now it's been extra, extra sleepy. I've been sleeping in a lot and then also feeling tired during the day. So and we had a beautiful sunny day today and like, mm-hmm. I did go outside. Out. That's good. Mm-hmm. I did go outside. Um, but mm, I like, I didn't get into a bunch of my exercise classes because I wasn't fast enough to get on the wait list. So normally I would have done a class last night. And then two classes today, and instead, I, and I missed two of them. Um, so 
maybe maybe my exercise level is low and that's why my energy level is low I don't know but maybe 4.5 probably yeah not a bad not a bad place to be not bad at all um so I drove three blocks Yay. to go grocery shopping but still I drove and I parked in an underground parking lot um with my large SUV and I was very excited about that as I'm more or less a tiny Volkswagen the car that was totaled um in my car accident but I am yeah I like got into the car my favorite country song was on I was just smiling the sun was shining and I felt this like overwhelming sense of independence and autonomy that I have not felt in a very very long time I've been feeling like such a dependent um yep being in school and also just like with my mental health that it was just so refreshing to be like I'm like everybody else, just driving. Okay. (laughs) That's one thing my therapist thinks I should probably relearn how to do is drive. So I have that same sort of experience of like, I'm in control of where I go. (laughs) Yeah. I really wanted to go for like a drive around afterwards, but I had like so many groceries in my, in the, in the back hatch. So I was like, I should probably take these home. But um, yeah, it's once you start driving again, like I don't know. You need to have a good song playing, obviously. And you so what's your like... favorite country song? I don't know. I don't, I honestly don't remember what it was. Um, I just remember it was one of my favorites. Um, oh. Shite. I forgot. Huh. But I, when I remember, I'll be sure to post it. <laughs> and the yeah. five people out there in the world who also love country music will probably be like, yeah, that's my jam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... Where did you go to high school again? I know in Burnaby. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I was gonna say Langley, Cloverdale. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, yeah. no, no. In Burnaby, we we had a lot of we listened to a lot of uh, gangster beats back mm. in the B town, um, but now it's just all country and nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, Amazing. Do you ever yeah. find that sometimes you are talking about mental health and mental illness and like what you've gone through and what you've seen and you're talking to somebody and maybe there's a person in the room that can't get on board or can't relate or maybe the topic like kind of freaks them out like have you ever been in that situation I think so yeah I mean, I think sometimes like I'm, I'm with say, say I'm, I'm at like a, a, a class at Tantra Fitness where I do all my working out and, and my, I got a group of friends there and I go like, yeah, you know, um, I mean, that was like before my second suicide attempt, you know, I'll just be like, you know, whoosh, something As super, a matter of fact. Dark, super dark or, you know, I'll, I'll just say something like about my medication or whatever. It doesn't have to be that dark. And then there will be usually like one person who's like, just kind of like newer and they're sometimes they're like, Mm. (laughs) but, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I don't know. That's, that's probably the closest experience I've had to that lately. Yeah. I was, I always wonder when I talk about mental health and mental illness, if 
I am making anybody feel uncomfortable or uneasy. And I really hope I don't because that's not what my intention is. But last night I was with a group of friends who are all in the medical field. Um, and I was listening to them all talk and they were talking about some really dark things about I don't even I actually don't even want to say the dark things that they're talking about but just things you see in a hospital right um and for them you know it's quite normal trauma like that and visions of things like that are quite Mm -hmm. normal and um patients are you know not annoying but like they're they're they are it's customer service and Mm -hmm. you have to try to balance being good to the patient but also knowing when to step away and blah 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 and yeah, if you're I a think, helper, yeah, professional yeah. helper. And I think there was something about not, well, they were all in like the same home, like place together. And I was just on Zoom because I didn't feel comfortable going over with the restrictions. But I felt so left out, but so uncomfortable hmm. because not only were they talking about medical things, which really, really, um yeah I just can't deal with the body anything to do with the body like I want to look at myself naked and be like I am magic I just work you know I don't want to know know what's happening in there yeah I am full of glitter and butterflies like I don't want to know how things work in there like my digestive system and my heart like don't tell me about my heartbeat or I'm just gonna have a panic attack about it yeah yeah um yeah but um it was I think like when people talk about patients and Mm -hmm. when I think it's really difficult to connect sometimes with people in the medical field because you come from a patient standpoint and you're going to them seeking help and you're at your darkest point. Um, And yes, I totally agree. You know, this has happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had to walk away and um, cry in the middle of the mm-hmm. our zoom meeting I walked away I felt left out I had to cry about it um and then I wondered to myself at the same time like I hope I've never made anyone else feel like super uncomfortable when I talk about things that like you know like like m- mental health or like what I've gone through or like I hope it doesn't trigger anybody um but of course like, it's hard you can't it's- always know yeah I yeah. mean, if, especially if you haven't had that experience, I'm, I, I, um, I was at a party once, um, and my friend, who I, who I knew there, and all of her friends were all trained to become counselors, and they all worked for the suicide hotline, and they were all talking about like the script and like their experiences with people and trying to get people off the phone and people who keep phoning in and like I I left the party really fast because I was like and it was a birthday party too so it was like I am the same age as all these people and all these people are like talking about people who call the suicide hotline and like how annoying it is kind of similar right and um and like how they're told to get people off the phone as fast as possible. Yeah. Um, and I, and I've called, I called that number like fairly recently 
And like, and then for like a year after that, I also was like, well, I can't call the crisis line because what if someone I know picks up? I know a bunch of people who work there. And so, right. yeah, I, I, I've definitely had that feeling. And I, I left that party too. I probably cried as well. Yeah, I felt like, I felt like I should have left earlier on and I should have been true to myself and like I should have stayed true to my emotions and my boundaries and who I am but I'm just such a people pleaser and I'm always packing things on my plate that I felt the need to stay there and to support and because I love the person that's there like they're my best friend and Mm -hmm. um, and I also felt a sense of guilt for not being able to be there so it was it was a lot of mixed feelings last night I definitely did not have a very good night so I also texted the person and explained like hey this is exactly what's going on sorry I walked away for so long like I had to go have a cry like this is too much um yeah and I had like a cider too and I was just like not really in it like I they were all bonding and like drinking wine and having charcuterie and I was just like, and they did their best to include me, like bless them. Like they're so sweet. Like I love them so much, Um, but it was just really, really fucking hard. I think that one thing you, you can, you should remember and, and like a reason why when you're saying, oh, I hope I don't do this to someone else. um, I mean, first of all, we don't necessarily work in those professions. So fortunately that's not something that's going to like happen to us, but like you were feeling triggered and so you left and that's all of those are good things. And like, I think that those people, I mean, if you have to deal with mentally ill people all the time and like crazy horrific like body things all the time you you probably are going to want to get together with some friends and drink and talk about it and like and that's, decompress and yeah and like yeah. that's not a place for Jessica like so so yeah. I mean so it's kind of like unfortunately it's like kind of on you to like to leave or on your friend who invited you to kind of know that I don't yeah of course we're all learning and so that's why you know like I I I'm sure that my, you know, that my friend who was a, was, was worked for the suicide hotline probably wouldn't do that to me now or do it again. And so it's a learning experience, but like, I think that as long as when you are talking about your own personal experiences and you're kind of thinking about who's in the room, you're probably fine. Yeah. I think I've just never been triggered before like that. Like I've never experienced being triggered like that. Like, and this is the only thing that triggers me for some odd reason is like detailed talk about the body and accidents. And I'm like, Mm-mm-mm-mm. no, I can't. Um, and just like talking, like joking about like patients or like just ta- just talking about patients, like not just joking around or anything like that. Cause like we joke around about, about patients ourselves as patients. We're like, <laughs> oh man, here we go. You know, yeah, it's just yeah, a fact yeah. of life. It's just a way of life and a way of um, processing what's happening. But like any talk of like any patient and anything they're going through when I hear it from a medical standpoint is really hard for me to hear because I know that deep down inside that person is suffering like I was in that yeah. hospital room, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know. 
I don't know what the sort of like ethics are behind when you work in those communities, like what you are and are not supposed to say, but yeah, it's, um, it's weird. Like I've had this experience when, um, I was in the downtown East side, Mm -hmm. uh, just going into like a drugstore or something. And this woman was having a meltdown to due to some sort of mental illness and everyone in the store was kind of like rolling their eyes and like someone's being like please go like get that woman out of here and blah 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 and Mm -hmm. uh, I was um I was you know checking out I bought a chocolate bar and the woman at the front desk was like I'm so sorry like this you know the police are coming or whatever but I was like, but don't apologize to me. Like this person is having a mental health crisis in your store. And mm-hmm. like, it, that's fine. Like, you know, I'm like, she was really worried about me because mm-hmm. she didn't want, like she was, you know, and everybody kind of was like exchanging glances, like as if we we're all like, yeah, well, this person who's probably a drug addict, like you know, downtown east side with what do you expect? Um, but and then I was like, nobody knows that like this, that you know, that I've been like this in a store before. So they're mm-hmm. all like nodding at me like I'm one of them. <laughs> they don't know that like however many years ago I've I was like in a store screaming or whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it it's a weird feeling because when you are super high functioning, um, people then assume things about you um, and they're not always true. And so at that point, I was like to the, to the woman, I was like, don't the woman at the cash register. I was like, don't worry about me. I'm I'm totally fine. Like, I hope she's OK. Yeah. Really, you should be worrying about her. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than is my shopping experience ruined? Like I, I went to the downtown east side, you know, like I'm not, no, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think like a situation that happened was when I had checked myself into a hospital and this man was having an episode and I didn't understand what was going on, but there, he was just screaming, having a meltdown. Um, and everyone was staring and I was like, something about this feels familiar, you know, like Mm -hmm. he's giving off some energy that I'm like, I'm feeling something here. And then the uh, woman started screaming at everybody in the waiting room and said, stop staring. He has bipolar. He's going through a crisis. Stop staring. Mm -hmm. And then he was yelling, stop staring. And I was like, I was there because I was having a bipolar episode in crisis. Mm -hmm. So then that triggered me. And I was like, oh my gosh. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I'm going to lose control. I'm going to lose control. And I think that was the only other time I felt, I felt triggered, but. um, Makes sense. So I find that when you've known someone like your whole life or you've known people for long enough and they don't see you during your episodes Mm -hmm. and they just see you as you they kind of have like a like an idea of you or like who you are and like especially when you're high functioning and I think people forget sometimes when you are high functioning that you have a mental illness and 
the fact that I think I said something like, oh yeah, like my, my bipolar or something like that. And I find that a lot of people nowadays are kind of just like brushing it off and being like, yeah, but you're okay. Yes. It's very interesting. It's interesting because we have this movement like a couple weeks ago it was like Bell Let's Talk Day. And I don't want to give oh, yeah. free advertising to Bell, but like it's just something where they, they're like, every time you text or use this hashtag, we're donating to um, a mental health uh, organization. And they get a bunch of mental health advocates to do ad campaigns and stuff. And so, like, for one day, like everyone really cares and talks about it. Um, but the vibe is kind of like mentally ill people were just like you. And, you know, it's like, oh, ment- here's this here's this Olympic skier who's also mentally ill. Here's this yeah. famous actress who's also mentally ill. So it's kind of like, you know, these are all high-functioning people. And so it's kind of like saying, like, don't be afraid of us or like, we're, you know, we're, we're living among you or whatever. Like, Which and, is true. And which is true and it's tr- and yeah. it's trying to get rid of stigma but i'm just thinking right now that that does not help when you are having a meltdown or you're having an episode you know and they're not going to be like oh wow like you know there's this olympic skier who probably also had an episode no they're just they just see her on the side of a bus for one day a year and then they go they go back to just you know they, they have maybe the word bipolar in their brain now, but they don't have it connected to any sort of symptoms. And, and like, obviously, obviously, I think it's a good thing that, that people are, that you, you can show bipolar people and other types of people um, functioning in, and being like, look, we can show up on time. We can win freaking medals. Yeah, totally. And totally. then we, we have to have a second piece. That's also like, also sometimes we can't show up on time. And like, sometimes like we can't do, I don't know, whatever the equivalent of an Olympic medal is, but yeah, school. School. (laughs) I just feel like I feel so much pressure because everyone is always like, Jessica, like you're doing so well. You're doing so much. You do awesome at like anything you set your mind to, like you do it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. Like, great. Yeah, thanks. Like, yeah, I'm like, but I'm like falling apart and no one, I'm constantly being praised for For what I'm, yeah, when I'm not falling apart Mm -hmm. and no one is asking me, hey, how are you feeling today? I have a couple friends that do, but like no one is checking in on me and being like, how are you, how are you feeling? This Mm -hmm. is too much for you. Like, it's always like. I don't know. I think my psychiatrist, he told me like, I would support you if you dropped a class. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I heard like, oh, like I'm going to be supported by somebody for doing less, for knowing my limitations yeah. instead of being supported by people only when I'm a yes person and a people mm-hmm. pleaser. It's just mm-hmm. like, I'm just so, oh my God, everyone that knows me is going to listen to this, but I am just so fed up and tired of people pleasing and 
not taking care of myself or my mental health, even though I, I think try. I think a lot of people who know you are are like, I really hope Jessica takes care of herself because <laughs> of course you definitely like come off as somebody who's like, you know, people pleaser, like trying, like working really hard. And I guess if you are someone like me who understands the condition, I, I'm like, oh God, <laughs> that's a lot. Um, yeah. And so if, if, you know, there are those friends who do kind of understand, um, maybe they were there for some of the worst parts and, and they, yes. they you know about that. But then, yeah, absolutely. I have friends who, who weren't, you know, who live in a different city and they weren't there and yeah, they don't, don't see that part of me. Um, and this is something that oh now now I, my brain is not working but I I was thinking about DBT yes so when I was going oh yeah DBT <laughs> I know right so I love DBT um when I was going to DBT group therapy every week I loved it because I would go to um I think around that time I was like dropping out of music school and maybe at the, at the, for the first few sessions, I was still in music school and like, I was, you know, I was showing up places and people are like, have you written a new song? Like, or like anytime I'd see anyone, like if you're a musician, any time anyone sees you, they're like, are you working on a new album? Like, even if yeah. you literally just released an album, like every single time. Yeah. Um, and it was so nice to like go. I I remember this one day when I went in and I said, <laughs> I got a really horrible text message from this person today and I didn't throw my phone across the room. And everyone in the class was like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> this is what I need. I need like, like an actual, a bunch of people who appreciate how hard it was for me to not throw my phone across a, a room like yes. instead of people being or not like hit someone yeah yeah like instead of people you know <laughs> whatever wherever I'm showing up being like okay well it's a given that you are fine because you're here and then now we need you to do whatever extra thing when yeah. to be honest when you're living with bipolar disorder or or in a similar kind of mental illness like really just existing is like sometimes like deserves a round of applause totally and like I said like I squeezed in there like trying not to hit someone but like sometimes like I get so angry that all I want to do is punch a hole in the wall like and mm -hmm. it's the idea of it sounds so satisfying but you know, this is a family house and <laughs> I don't want to do that. And I don't want to hurt myself. And I don't, I don't, I understand the consequences of that, but everything yeah. deep down inside of me, I'm thinking with my emotion brain as DBT says, and I'm like, I just want to smash something like I, yeah. and no one understands that. Like if you were to tell, like, if I were to tell some of my friends, like, Hey, I was angry and I didn't smash anything today. Mm -hmm. and I found a way to cope and I like, and I did it. They'd be like, okay, yeah. Yeah. But like, that's a huge thing. It is a huge <laughs> thing. Exactly. It's a huge thing, which is why I really enjoyed having something like DBT to go to every week for however long that was, like almost, almost a year because, yeah. and I do feel like ever since then, <laughs> I, even in my job where my job was to 
be a person who had bipolar disorder and talk about it, I was expected to do ridiculous amounts of things. And like, right. it's like, okay, you have bipolar disorder, but also you're an advocate, which means you're going to do above and you're going to go above and beyond for almost no money. Um, so, you know, I was thinking, oh, I get employed by, um, uh, a company or sorry, an organization that is about mental illness. The people are going to understand if I, you know, if something is hard for my mental illness, no, <laughs> no, they were no. like, they're like, yeah, how about <laughs> there were times when we would be on stage and I would be like, remember that you have to get eight hours of sleep and you have to make sure you eat three times a day and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And like, I would be like, <laughs> except not for us, because the way our tour has been planned, we have another eight hour drive. So we're going to sleep for five hours and we do not have time to get food in between these next two shows. And it's just kind of funny because it's like, <sighs> I'm oh literally gosh. being paid to tell people this. And yet like, uh, we are not doing it and we are not, we are not getting paid or not, our tour is not organized to, um, to actually for us to be able to do that and like by the time we finally had a mental health professional look over our schedule she was trying to get us to only play one show a day on tour um because <laughs> she was like this is ridiculous but of course the rest of the people are just people in the organization who don't necessarily have the mental illness and are like time is money like you got we're, <laughs> we're gonna push you guys as far as possibly like not thinking that, oh, there's a person with lived experience in, in this, on this tour van and, you know, they need to be okay. Totally, totally. And that brings me to, again, like working in business. Yeah. You know, they just pile it on you and you're like, yeah, mm -hmm. I can do it above and beyond, like surprise and delight, like mm -hmm. let's please everybody. And yeah, that's just like carried through in my mind and in my life and I also find that when you become have you found that when you become like a mental health advocate and you tell people hey I have bipolar disorder all of a sudden they're like okay so you're accepting of that and you're fine with that and it's like no I'm really angry like I have yeah. I have a podcast here yeah and I talk about it and I talk nonchalant about it and I want to spread the word and normalize it and break the stigma but like I I've been aware of this for 10 plus years and I'm still angry that I was made like this yes not I, it, I feel like it's not fair I like I like that you're saying that because this is something I have run, run across and a lot of people assume because I'm doing advocacy work for a bipolar disorder that I'm like, bipolar disorder is good. And like, I understand that like, say you're, you're um, a lot of people are doing that kind of advocacy work. Personally, I'm saying, no, I would not w wish bipolar disorder on my worst enemy, but if you have it, <laughs> here's what we got to do. And people yeah. have it. And 1% of people have it. So it's like, we have to face the facts. It It's a disorder. It can be fatal. Like it's chronic, like it's for the rest of your life. Like it's, it's not fun or pleasant. I know that certain parts seem fun, but like they're not like conducive to the world. Yeah. Not really yeah. conducive to like getting anything actually done. And, no. you know, I just, I, you know, a lot of people 
say, say stuff, ask me stuff like, so are you like grateful for your bipolar disorder because of like the life that it's led you to? And like, no, like what I don't is this know. hippie stuff? What is this hippie stuff? Am I grateful? Like, are yeah. you grateful for your bipolar? Yeah, like, I mean, I'm a like, musician. I run into to... a lot of hippies, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like some hippie dippy stuff. Like, am are you are you thankful for the path that you have ended up on because of this terrible thing you have? Like, no. I read somewhere oh. it was like <laughs> some some really lovely lady online who I her her art is called by mary andrews and she said i'm not like you can you you don't have to be grateful for all of the bad things that happened you can still be angry that they happened and yeah. be content in the place that they took you so i'm like well yeah i'm glad that i'm like fighting to make sure that people with bipolar disorder like are heard and 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 are destigmatized but like you know it would have been easier if i just didn't have bipolar disorder because there were just so many years there where i was i mean where i almost died and like i just don't i just and i just wouldn't want anyone to experience that mm-hmm. but people do mm-hmm. yeah yeah totally it's yeah it's just really really challenging and like you said, like, no, like, I'm not grateful or thankful for my bipolar, for my hypomania. Like, that's not like, when I'm in it, I'm like, I'm in it, I'm making the best of it. Yeah, let's do this. Like, don't worry, you need stuff done, I'll do it. Put it on my plate. Let's get this done. And really, what all of that is, is me fighting my bipolar and fighting society, and fighting everyone around me and telling them that, hey, keep piling that stuff on my plate because I'm like you and I can do this. And it's like constantly just trying to prove to myself that I'm uh, what what someone would call it a normie or like like everyone else, you know what I mean? Like that I don't have bipolar. I'm trying to always just like cover it up and like prove to people that I'm like them and not understand or my limitations and not give myself any grace. Yeah. and like, fuck, I have like, like we have this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> like, we're doing, we're doing stuff. We're doing stuff. We're but all, like, I have yeah. to tell you, cause this is going to make you mad. Um, <laughs> I, um, like during my last semester of music school, I dropped down to two classes Yeah, and I was like doing my homework, um, yeah. in the cafeteria and the, this guy came up to me and he's like, oh, like, what are you doing? What homework are you doing? I'm like, well, I only do these two classes. And he's like, oh my God, you must have so much free time. Like, wow. And I was just like, actually, weirdly, it takes up all my time, but thank you. I don't know. Like, yeah, he's like, wow, that would be amazing. Just taking those two classes. Like, oh, I'd love that. You're so lucky. (laughs) It was just like, and at the time I was just like so embarrassed because I was like, I don't feel lucky. I don't feel relaxed. I feel stressed out. Like I'm this close to not coming back. And like, you know, maybe it was maybe like three weeks later that I stopped showing up at all. Um, yeah. And so, and I feel like that, that comment really didn't help. No, it doesn't. And being in my last, my final year of school, 
it's everyone like literally gets off on like oh I'm taking four classes and five classes and I'm going to school I mean and I'm going and I'm working full-time and I'm part of this volunteer group and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and like if you ask anyone like, hey, like I'm struggling with this homework, what do you think? And they're like, well, it's actually quite easy. If you just look into here, here and here, like no one wants to be honest. No one wants to say like, hey, you know what? I'm actually having a really hard time with this. And everyone, and that's why I'm like, oh yeah, don't worry. Like I'll plan everyone's wedding and I will, you know, like <laughs> I will do a podcast and I will go to school full time and I will like maintain a tidy house and be a good friend and be a good wife and be a good, you know, and uh, the Mm -hmm. list goes on. And like, it's, it's a toxic environment that I'm in at school. And it's a toxic environment that I'm sure not just myself and school is in, like everyone just gets off on being so fucking busy. I was guilty of it too. uh, It's, oh God, I'm going to sound like Exactly. I'm going to sound like someone with a septum piercing and I do have a septum piercing, but it's <laughs> capitalism, baby. <laughs> it's oh like, God. we're all I'm like, we're all, <laughs> we're all just pushed to make money and like, like be like, be as productive as possible. And like that, that's where our worth is. Right. That's exactly where I thought my worth was, was yeah, in how much yeah. I can do. Yeah. And so, absolutely. yeah, even if you're not making money at it, like, of course, doing school faster means you will get to your job faster, which means you will make more money. Like, yeah. and like, so we're absolutely. all conditioned to like, to think like this Yeah, it sucks. And I think a big part of mental health advocacy has to be like a plea to stop people thinking like this like like you know you know how much I care about being late and how that's fine how it's fine to be late um it drives me nuts but yeah <laughs> it's fine to be late if You're you never are late with me which is so funny I think it's because I'm like no you like you when people are late <laughs> no it's not it's not because a okay, lot of good, people good. in my class are in my class a lot of people in my life don't like it when people are late and I am late all the fucking time but the reason why I'm never late with you is because <laughs> I don't have to show up anywhere I'm just in my house very just do true. zoom very easy. stuff so yeah but like if I have to go like if I have to budget my time to the point where I have to go downtown or whatever like if I had to go to Burnaby every time we did this I'd be late all the time and like the and this was brought to my attention this sort of like the idea of crip time which is like cripple time which is sort of a I don't know I feel like it's like an academic word about um that's making a point of being on time for things sometimes is is a thing that only certain neurodivert, sorry, certain neurotypical people can do Mm. when it, because like, if you think about it, like I, I left, I, I started leaving the house 45 minutes before the class started, but I spent 15 minutes looking for my keys. And then I forgot what I was doing. And then, um, I started having a panic attack because I was going to be late. And so then I, and like people, like some of my teachers are like, it's very, very disrespectful to be late. And I'm saying sometimes, but sometimes it's not about disrespect. It's about a person's ability to like cope with 
the structures of, and like, that's how you, you say you love structure and I say, I hate structure. And that's like, I just can't do structure. So, you know, I show up late to like, like, I'm not talking like half an hour late. I'm talking like five, 10 minutes late to things. And I would appreciate like some people like being more lenient about that and, and just sort of being like, like, if you, if you say you support me and you support people with mental health issues, then you can't get mad at them for being late for things. And Mm. there's like, I, I just explained maybe like a bipolar reason, but like, imagine, uh, a physically disabled person they've got to find a taxi that accepts a wheelchair mm-hmm. that will take longer like there's always like there's things that people don't necessarily think about um mm-hmm. in everyday tasks and which is why <laughs> which is why I uh think that it's okay if I'm late and honestly this has just really helped me have less panic attacks on buses this totally this idea because I am late either way but yeah. this this way, I'm like, nope. <laughs> Telling me to be on time is ableist, <laughs> and I am not that late. I'm and I'm I'm respectful, and I and I, you know, I do what I can, and I think, and like I call if I'm going to be really late. You know, I do I do yeah. those things. Oh gosh, I went off on the late rant. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just I think to add to that point, I think there are lots of variables to take into consideration when people are late. And Mm -hmm. it's hard to say that, you know, every, like, let's say every bipolar person is going to be late because like, I'm always half an hour early. If you ask our friend Jenna that every hair appointment I've ever gone to, I literally have to do laps around her house because I'm like half an hour to 45 minutes early. But that comes with a different variable. That's because I'm like, afraid of being late right? Mm-hmm. So I overcompensate to be early. And, and that isn't very good either. Cause then I just waste a lot of time. Yeah. And um, you, and you, and it, it's like, that's like a high energy thing. That's like a, yeah. a, again, a symptom. It makes sense that that's how your body would, and your brain would react to those situations. Whereas an antsy thing, sometimes yeah. like, let's say like you say that, Okay, so it's 7.30 right now, and you say, okay, at 8 o'clock, we're going to start recording. And I'm thinking, okay, I have things to do before 8 o'clock. Sometimes I won't do them. Sometimes I'll just, like, sit there and wait for the next big thing. You mm-hmm. know? Is that weird? I don't know. Um, I, I mean, I don't know, because I feel like our brains work so differently in those ways where I'm like, yeah. okay, I have this much time. And then, like, I, I don't understand how how time works. I, I was meeting my friend the other day um, right after I was chatting with you on Fridays. I go on a walk with my friend. And I was like, oh, I'll be 20. I'm 20 minutes away. And then, like, a few minutes later, I was like, actually, I'm two minutes away. And she's like, what? I'm like, I just have no idea. I don't understand time. It doesn't make sense to me. That's fair. Yeah. Anyways, but there's a lot of different little things like that where you can just loosen up. You can loosen up uh, the rules of the world and it will make (laughs) things easier for people who are neurodivergent or um, physically disabled or anything like that. That's why I love flex schedules. Yeah. Like when people are like, 
okay, just you're on salary. Start when you can. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. I like that. Amazing. Because if I get in early, if I'm on a high and I get in early and I get all my work done, that's perfect. If yeah. I'm on a low and I get in at like eight or nine and get all my work done, that's perfect too. It works on my energy. Oh my gosh. You know what? I should really ask for a flex schedule on my next job and inquire about that. But <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, it's good for you to know that too, that that really works for you. Mm-hmm. And I think it, I, it makes a lot of sense to me. Like, I don't know. I, my last job, I guess like what I would require if I, in order to have, to be on time for things is I require another person to help me get, to help get me there. Mm-hmm. Um, and because all of our shows, we either, we were on tour. So I was with the whole band already, or mm-hmm. all of our shows started at like seven. So we had to like leave at six or whatever. Like, I don't know. Um, Greg, works at the library that opens at nine so he was usually at home and he was able to wake me up and drive me there and I honestly don't think I would have been able to have that job without him because he was able to get me there and make sure I wake up in time and then yeah when when I was on tour Sydney was the one who made sure I we shared a hotel room she made sure I woke up in time so whatever kind of accommodation, I don't know, like if a job would like pay, pay to have somebody like wake <laughs> you up. You and wake you up. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just brainstorming here, but like, that's another, another way that I can be on time is if someone else helps me be on time. It's yeah. just because I just don't have the like capacity to plan my own time stuff. Yeah. And it's not like I haven't tried. I'm almost 30. Like I've tried a lot. that's fair yeah I have like time anxiety I'm like am I getting eight hours of sleep am I waking up on time do I like Mm. yeah do you remember when I was waking up at five in the summertime or like fall and I was like I'm waking up at five this is gonna be the best like moment of my life I miss those days but um you think it was I don't miss the hypomania that came with it Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) yeah yeah because yeah no I don't know I (sighs) Right now we have like a system where the lights go off automatically at certain times and it's supposed to, it's, Greg is hoping that it will like get me like my brain prepared to sleep at a certain time and then wake up at a certain time. And we also have like a blackout blind that is now automatic uh, for time as well. Um, So I don't know. I, so I've been kind of consistent with my with my no sleeping and waking up but the problem is that I hate sleeping so much so I usually am like fighting it but as you know because you took some Seroquel um it's very hard to fight Seroquel so once I take my pills then I am can't fight the Seroquel can't fight it (laughs) but I I find it unpleasant I find falling asleep very unpleasant but yeah I try to make falling asleep pleasant by like a weighted blanket and then these headphones that I'm wearing putting them on top and like listening to spa music and then like tightening up all my muscles and then letting myself relax and sink into the bed and I have like a whole little routine for when I don't want to go to sleep but need to go to sleep and I find it works plus a Seroquel (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's great commercial for Seroquel (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I I what I do like listening to um, 
audiobooks as I'm falling asleep. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, <gasps> ASMR. Yeah. I oh. have, okay. So, misophonia. Yeah. ASMR triggers my misophonia. So, I have the oh, yeah, exact it must be like hell. opposite reaction. Yeah. Do you get triggered by it? No. No. Do you like it? Is it good for you? Sometimes. I like, there's this one. I forgot which one it was, but this one person whispers um, lullabies, like, yeah, like whispers like stories. And I'm like, okay, I feel like this is really creepy. And at first I was like really uneasy. And I'm like, this is really, really fucking creepy. And after a while I was like, okay. (laughs) My dog's like this now. It's really funny because there's like lots of ASMR things for people with anxiety and like um, just assuming that like ASMR is like going to work for people with anxiety. But for me, it triggers the misophonia response, which is anger, intense anger. And so I like I'll click on a meditation from whatever app and it will just oh, the mouth noises. And then I will like have to take off my headphones as soon as possible and I'll be like stop 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 like I can't listen to it for one second it's just so awful and and like people who don't experience this um like these kind of sensory uh irritations or whatever um they they just will never understand (laughs) I have Mm, to say I do I do have one noise Mm-hmm. There's only one noise in this entire world that makes me so angry and want to mm-hmm. throw up and scream and punch. Mm-hmm. The second I hear it, all of that, all those feelings. Mm-hmm. It's when Nolan. Yeah, here we go. It's when Nolan clicks his nose. It's when he rubs his nose and I hear the click oh. <laughs> of, the cart- of the cartilage. And he used to love doing it. He used to love clicking the cartilage of his nose. And I was like, <gasps> And I'm like, don't ever flip and do that again. That's so disgusting. And like, <laughs> oh my God. Even just like thinking about it, I'm so angry. Like my hands are like clenched right now. Um, yeah, so, yeah. So you have misophonia I, for that one thing, maybe. Just for the one thing. Just oh, makes me want to throw up. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it's. For people who don't know, misophonia is a disorder in which certain sounds trigger emotional or physical responses that some might perceive as unreasonable given the circumstance. <laughs> Those he who have misophonia, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Those who have misophonia might describe describe it as a sound drives you crazy. Their reactions can range from anger and annoyance to panic and the need to flee. Man, mm-hmm. I when I learned that this was a real thing and I wasn't just a jerk. <laughs> it was so nice because <laughs> for me it's um people eating and it's just like for my whole childhood I used to like try and get my family I, I would always be like we have to listen to music while we eat and then everyone has to chew to the beat <laughs> like I was like <laughs> and I, and my parents didn't call a counselor like I don't know <laughs> what they thought was going on that's a <laughs> warning sign yeah right <laughs> And like they would chew to the beat of the music. <laughs> they would put me next to my my grandma who had like fake teeth or whatever. Um, and I would just like 
me trying to plug my ears, but making it look like I was like stretching, but like stretching for a really long time because it was literally like driving me insane. And then sometimes I would just leave the table and run and they'd be like, Sarah, you're so rude. You're like such a problem child. And then when I learned that this was a thing, I just, and like, and you know, now there's parents out there who are like reading about this and like getting their kids headphones to wear at the dinner table. I'm like, oh yeah, it's going to be okay. The world's going to be okay. (laughs) We're getting better. Do you want to talk about the Instagram? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Are you ready? Um, we have an Instagram account called Hush Ush Pod, and we would love for you guys to check it out and hang out with us on our stories and maybe like a couple photos. We put some pretty funny stuff up there sometimes. And we also have an email, hushushpod at gmail.com. So definitely email us with any, um, requests or feedback if you want to come on the podcast definitely let us know Sarah won't be reading it I will be (laughs) reading it (laughs) so I guess if you want to like email Jessica and be like Sarah's the worst I won't know (laughs) but it's hush uh, so it's like h-u-s-h-u-s-h so there's no double h in the middle for either of those things it was a mistake and it's also aesthetically pleasing. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Yeah, um, it's fine. Yeah. And yeah, please uh, follow us on Instagram. And like, I guess, I guess I'm going to ask people to review us on Apple Music. <gasps> yeah. Review that, us. That's actually that cool. That's actually how people generally find out about podcasts is if, if um, people review them. Uh, so that would be like a, an awesome super favor um, if anyone feels like doing that obviously if you have the time don't go out of your way do that. awesome <laughs> yeah, yeah we will love you forever forever <laughs> and ever um, yeah so with that being said don't forget be kind to all those around you because you never know what someone might be going through and sprinkle love everywhere you go. Yes, I'm 30 in a month and a half. I'm having lots of feelings about it. I think 30 is the new 20. (laughs) I don't know what that means.